the Let's hear welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode number 61. Happy Friday, everyone. This is, of course, the show that brings you latest and the greatest in guitar and music industry news, reactions, commentary, in-depth analysis, reacting to your comments and questions, and oh, so, so, so much more. I'm not tired. My daughter definitely didn't woke, wake up during the last night several times. It is like that. And yeah, once again, I'm joined by the man who hopefully is feeling more refreshed or fresh than I am. It is Richard Morgan, who is back from holiday. Hello. Good day to you, Vlad, and to everybody watching and listening. Hello. It's good to be back. Although I actually, I watched the show last week with you anyway, because I was able to in the end. So I, I feel like I've never been away. That's true. It was good, by the way, last week. The the live hangout. Oh, thank you. A few regulars in there, just chilling, just chatting. I like the vibe of doing it totally live. And I think we should do it more often if that's ever going to be a possibility. Absolutely. It was fun to interact with people. I mean, not yes. that this isn't interacting with people, but, you know, it's one of those we should see other people as well type of things. Indeed. So... Not that we technically can see the people commenting, but everyone knows what we mean. Uh, yeah, packed show today. What well, is it packed? It's packed with great questions, for example, because I think one of <laughs> the themes on my channel over the past couple of weeks has been the whole Harley Benton guitar build thing, which is still yeah, you're going on, by the way. That. Oh, thank but you, thank you, thank you. Otherwise, otherwise the show is, let's say, lightly packed. It's like... <laughs> If it were a plane trip, you wouldn't be checking any luggage in this week. It would be all carry-on. Yeah, I think exactly. That's a nice analogy. That's that's a good way. Though, like having been into two NAMs, uh, the amount of stuff I still still able to pack while only having on having like carry-on luggage is surprisingly a lot. Like my backpack was really heavy. It had computers, camera stuff, and stuff. Thing Wait, like, you you did like the NAM that. show with just carry-on? You didn't check a bag? Yeah, I've done that twice. Madness. So, so like, I have like, I have the small suitcase where you can basically take in with you as a carry-on, and then you can also place a backpack underneath the front seat. And that that's is how true. I got everything with me. I so. can't even imagine fitting my underwear into my carry-on. I mean, I know I'm a larger man than you, Vlad, but still, crazy. I mean, I'm always there for I've longer than you as well. So that is a point. I'm always there for almost two weeks, and this year it's going to be okay. Okay, yeah, just that, over that two makes weeks, a difference. So. I've never been there for even a week in total. Specifically, I think I fly in the previous day, four days of Nam, leaving the next day. So maybe that's the difference. I'm sure we're it makes just, a little bit of a difference. Yeah, also I'm just wearing the like, same clothes. It is that, yeah, you probably literally wear the same thing. Whereas for me, I have to do costume changes because I'm like Beyonce at the NAMM show. And also, I like to then, you know, slip out of my branded merchandise for the evening entertainments or whatever. And, you know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So yes. you pack light. And this show is also maybe perhaps packing a little bit light when it comes to the new gear. But when it comes to questions, we've got a whole cargo plane full of content for you today. <laughs> Can we stop the plane Indeed. analogies now? Yeah, speaking of cargo planes, let's hope none of them passes uh, over our house while we shoot because there's been a lot of like, air traffic. We it, There's an airport nearby, so that 
makes a lot of sense, but still, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, we're less than an hour from Rammstein, which is the US's biggest European military base. And as you could imagine, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of large aircraft flying around near us recently. Yeah, I mean, there always is, but for the past couple of months, it's been uh, extra big and extra chunky and probably extra dangerous. Could be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cool fact, like, one of the cool things living near an airport is the fact that, well, one of my good friends is in a pilot training, just like commercial pilot training. Uh, last week, he, no, was it this week? I think it was this week. Uh, earlier this week, he sent me a message, hey, I'm about to leave the airport, which is nearby, and he literally flew like fairly low over our house, and I actually was able to grab a photo, and my daughter was super excited to see the plane as well. That was kind of cool. So, shout That's out to Lille. Cool. <laughs> anyway, should we <laughs> get going? Like, Let's do it. Talk about stuff that has happened as of late, and we have just a segment for that. As always, recent happenings. Recent things indeed. And something we kind of alluded to last week, a couple of weeks ago already, I think. Yep, two and weeks ago. Now it's kind of official. Yep, it's, now it's official. Digitech and DoD have been acquired by Cortec. And Cortec is one of those kind of less known but huge music industry production companies. They just produce stuff for everyone. Ibanez, Squire, Manson, PRS. And yeah, they acquired Digitech and DoD. So I'm guessing these brands will continue now, which is really, really cool. Well, that's what Cortec is saying. They're saying that they're going to carry on with it. They're going to develop new stuff as well. And that, I think, is the best possible outcome that we could have seen from this whole Digitech DOD thing, you know, because yep. they were not having a good time under the Harman Samsung umbrella. And now so they're out. It. And, you know, Cortec is, like you say, it's, I mean, everyone or most guitar players will know the brand Court, but what a lot of people might not know is that Cortec builds a hell of a lot of stuff for many mm. other companies. So it's a hugely experienced and a hugely competent musical instrument company. And I think, you know, they will take these brands Digitech and DoD under their wing very well and do good stuff with them. At least I'm crossing all of my fingers that that happens because there are some awesome pedals out there that need to continue being made and I think there are more cool things on the horizon. It will be also interesting to see whether they start to work again with the previous kind of masterminds behind Digitech because there was stuff in the planning that never got made and Mm. well, they would have the chance to do that now if they wanted to, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. I felt like some years ago, Digitech was on, I wouldn't say on a rise, but kind of coming back to, like, or made themselves familiar for a new generation. Me included, kind of, like, they came up with the Freakout pedal, for example, we talked about a few episodes ago, and, like, yeah. really nice and interesting innovation in the guitar space. And then when you hear the news that they might be shutting down, that was kind of, well, sad, and this might be a bright future, as the subhead says, a bright future, question mark, on GameNews.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I really hope it will be. And the, the pedal that we can see on screen there, the, the whammy, that is the 
legendary Digitech pedal. Mm -hmm. And that is one where you could tell that guitar players were getting scared because the prices of used whammy pedals were going up and up and up the past couple (laughs) of weeks because we were starting to think, oh no, I'm not going to be able to get whammy pedals anymore. But thankfully, that is not going to be an issue. You know, because the whammy pedal, I think for a generation of people my age, a bit older, a bit younger as well, I mean, Tom Morello is one of the biggest guitar heroes out there and he is someone who epitomizes that whammy sound. And there's no other pedal and there's no other modeler that can 100% replicate what the whammy really does, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, having, well, first of all, played several whammies slash, um, what's the pedal called? The drop. I've actually had the digital drop and that thing, it's crazy that the algorithm is fairly old in that one. That pedal has existed for quite a long time, yet it's still yep. really, really good. I've done like, for for the Harley Ailes demo. I did a song in B, I think, where I just down tuned it several, several steps from E standard to B, and with a bit of mixing, like cutting out some of the prob- problematic frequencies, that worked really well. And it's just very impressive. Even in 2022 or 2021 at that point, I don't remember when I released a video, but some, somewhere <laughs> around that time anyway, within the past six months or so. Or oh, was it longer? Yeah. I don't know. What's time anyway? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about this news because I really like what Digitech is doing. The freak out thing is one of those Pedals that I kind of would love to acquire. It's so unique. You could use it in very creative ways. So, yep, this is great. Plus, they're saying that Tom Cram, who is, I guess, a designer. Sorry, I'm. Yeah, he he was the the mastermind behind Digitech Mm. before they were all let go in about 2017. Yeah. And he says that he had a five-year roadmap for the brand and many of the designs were never released. So the article asks, could we see some of them being resurrected? Perhaps, question mark. Yep. Cool news. We'll see yep. how... Nice to start this... with something positive. I know. And also, have you owned any DOD pedals? Because I have, and they're also good. So Yes. I have the, I actually, I was thinking about this because, you know, Digitech and DOD, they sort of fly under the radar a bit, but I own mm. currently the DOD Carcosa Fuzz, which viewers can see on the screen now, which is kind nice. of a a master of none, but jack of all trades kind of a fuzz. It does pretty <laughs> much anything and it does it really well. For someone like me who is still thinking about going into the fuzz rabbit hole and really getting into the different aspects of fuzz, the Carcosa does pretty much everything to a pretty high standard. It's not an amazing muff. It's not an amazing fuzz phase as such, but it gets you ballpark for everything. So it's a really good fuzz taster pedal. But I also yeah. have the Digitech Polara, the Reverb. I recently picked up... Oh, that up one's good. For 30 euros, the, the Viscous Vibe, which is like a, mm. a vibrato and also a rotary pedal which I really have to nice. learn how to use. But for 30 euros, it was a steal. It's great quality, sounds good. And I just need to make it sound better because that's all to do yeah. with my playing. And I also have the Drop, which is just super cool. Very fun pedal to use. I don't have a whammy right now, but 
thankfully now I don't need to go looking on the overpriced mm. secondhand market because they're going to be available. Yep, that is very, very true. I'd be interested to know whether the algorithm on the WAMI 5 is some, like, is it updated compared to the drop, for example, because I think the drop is also a fairly old pedal. Though, even as I mentioned just a few sentences ago, it was still really good, but just curious. I'm just curious. So, yeah, great news. Should we talk about guitars next? Because Reverend Guitars team up with Billy Corgan for the Z, Z1. Z1? Signature electric inspired by the Smashing Pumpkins' heaviest song. My first question is, wasn't he a reverend artist already? Yes. Yes, he was. Didn't he also oh. already have a signature model? I think he did. Yeah. Well, this is a but... new one for playing the heavier songs mm. in the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> canon, by the look of it. So it seems. I think I've tried the original signature guitar, actually. And just overall, I think Reverend guitars have been pretty good. I was really close to buying, not this model, but oh, I'm not even going to pretend that remembering the model names, but they're good guitars, so really cool. I always go and check out. YouTube as though. No, I was going to say that. That's That's an interesting point. But one thing they do do really well is kind of, Exhibit. I, I always go and check them yeah. out at the NAMM show. They always have a really cool looking booth. And the guitars look fantastic. Mm. They're kind of hard to find in a lot of stores anywhere near me anyway. I'm not sure there's any reverend dealers within quite a distance of where I live in Germany. Yep. And yeah, I mean, if you live in Europe, they cost a lot more than they do in other countries like in America. So um I don't think that many people get to play them over here, which is a real shame because yeah, they, they look fantastic. The, they're nice and quirky. They offer something different. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that's the thing. They, as you mentioned, they're not available here as well, at least. And the price is higher, which makes them a little bit less competitive. Here, yeah, because but, um, I think in Europe, off the top of my head, so don't quote me on this, but I think like there's a lot of models which are around the eleven, twelve hundred euro mark. So they're competing mm -hmm. with, you know, the newer Mexican fenders and like that's a hard sell for anybody, no matter how good your stuff yeah. is. If you're competing against the big boys like Fender, then you've got a job to do. Yeah. And also all of the Ibanezes and Charvels and a bunch of others as well. Yeah. Even PRS exactly. S2 series as well, which is US made already. So, yeah. And if you want to go for something a bit sort of quirkier, kind of like a lot of the Reverend guitars, you can go down in budget mm. and get something like a Dan Electro. But actually, companies like Fender have started offering models like the Meteora recently, which has this sort of offset vibe or kind of more unique sort of a retro double cutaway vibe. And they're priced really well. They have interesting finishes too, cool pickup options. But let's just talk about what's on this specific guitar because it is indeed yes. the third guitar I've just seen that Reverend and Billy Corbin oh, have done together. Yeah. 
yeah, one of the three collaborations with them. And somehow I remember that one of his signature guitars might have had only one pickup in it. I might be wrong, maybe yes. it was someone else's model. No, you're right. He did have a single pickup signature guitar. Yeah, because I think one. that model was called. out when I got to try a bunch of Reverend guitars at Anderton's many years ago. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, the specs of the Z1. Older yes. body, bolt-on, roasted maple neck with a roasted maple fingerboard. Medium oval neck profile. 41 millimeter nut. Pinlock tuners and a no-fuss six-saddle hardtail bridge. <laughs> the pickups are Railhammer Z1 pickups, so Billy Corgan signatures, effectively, I guess, mm. with Reverend promising a fat mid-range and a smooth top end. And it's a Sounds guitar which me. is equipped for ripping solos and fuzzed-out riffs alike. <laughs> they don't say what the three knobs do, but we could assume there's a volume for each of the humbuckers and a tone control. Yeah, most likely. And it's priced at $1,800. So, not one of the most affordable guitars in the Reverend range, but also not one of the most expensive. Hmm. Yep. I really don't know what to say about this. It's nice, simple, and I bet it sounds and plays great, so why not? It is on a pricier side of things, but I think for some Billy Corgan fans, this could be the guitar. Plus, I could, like, you could use this in many different situations. You could use this at church. You could use this on a rock gig. You could use it, play this at a wedding. Maybe you could even do a jazz gig with this. So, I'm sure you could. The, the interesting yeah. thing for me is always that I associate Billy Corgan with strats because that's mm. what he seemed to me to be playing during most of the Smashing Pumpkins era. But I'm sure he played humbucker-equipped guitars as well. Yep. Maybe he's just moving to heavier tones. Who knows? Who knows? Could be. Yeah. From one guitar to something that's even less affordable, <laughs> the Reverend, uh, Nick Huber Guitars announces a Bernie Marsden signature guitar, a limited run of 12 flame tops plus 12 gold tops, and those will ship to 12 dealers worldwide. Were we able to find the price? I haven't seen on one, no. And there isn't any information on the Nick Huber site yet, but... Yeah. I mean, we could guess what it's going to cost. A lot. Is my answer here. That's the I mean, Bernie is obviously a legendary player and an amazing guitar player that is. I think he owns he owns like a real fifty-nine, doesn't he? I think Lee he does, Anderson yes. has gone to his house to check it out, for example. Yeah. And I think it's only fitting that Nick Hooper creates a signature guitar with him. It just it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I think it's actually really of, interesting because yeah. Bernie Marsden, he is sort of quite famous these days for having a 59 Les Paul because mm. that makes people famous these days if you've got the money to have one of those. 
And yep. he also had a signature PRS guitar for quite oh, a while. That's true. I think you can still get it. And this Nick Huber, to me, looks a bit like a cross between that PRS signature and his 59 Les Paul. Yeah, it kind of looks like if PRS and Gibson had a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> like a slimmer Les Paul. Slim Paul. Yeah, I mean, the, the flame top on that humbucker equipped guitar on the right there is just... Uh, it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? Mm. Exquisite. Have you played have you played any of the Nick Huber guitars? I've played Nick Huber guitars quite extensively at the oh. 42 Gear Street events where Huber have been as an exhibiting brand and yeah, they're they're incredible. They're out of my price range currently, but <laughs> amazing guitars. Like every every aspect of them is perfectly crafted they're weighted beautifully they feel fantastic they're, they're superlative in pretty much every way mm. as i'm sure this new bernie signature will be yeah and that it's of course kind of means that they command a deserving price of you know multiple thousands of euros they are yes. not cheap for good reason yeah i don't think this photo well looking at where you can see the gold top with p90s and then the flame top equipped guitar with humbuckers doesn't do the guitar as much justice as the one where you can see Bernie holding the guitar in this photo it yeah. looks absolutely amazing you think that's the same instrument by the way I think it might be the Not very same one could be if you look if at where his limit. arm is across the uh, the bout just where his yeah. forearm touches the, the top of the guitar, it kind of looks like it has some wear already, and that looks very similar to the other one in the yeah. could be by the Yeah. Could be, or it could be just a reflection of his hand from the guitar, but it's too well-polished. It becomes a mirror-like thing. Could indeed be. The question is, I mean, yes. does this guitar sound better than his 59 Les Paul? Does it play better than his 59 Les Paul? <laughs> Leave us a comment on YouTube on that. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to answer that. Well, my answer would be, I have no idea. But I mean, I have no idea either, but I'm sure it plays better. Yeah. Whether it sounds better is totally in the ear of the beholder. Exactly. In but yeah, the, there's not the, that much information yeah. yet about this guitar. It was announced on the Nick Huber Facebook page. More information to come with specifications, pickups, etc. and prices. It's going to be a very Indeed. limited run, of course. And I think if you need to ask how much it's going to cost, then you're not going to be able to yes. afford one. As yeah. is the case for both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also say that this is one of the more normal-looking designs by Nick Huber. He sometimes does pretty wild-looking instruments. And you might have seen some of those on Kefir's channels, like social media channels, for example. He, I think he have had a few pretty wild-looking ones as well. Yeah. Apparently some people yeah. buy those as well. So who are we to judge? Exactly. I mean, with Nick Huber, you get the classic shapes, but you also get 
a unique twist, if you wish. And I think they'll build you yes. totally custom stuff as well, although I'm not 100% sure how hmm. custom they go. Yeah. I'd love to know how many guitars per year he actually produces. Can't be that many. I reckon, again, total guess. I'm sure there are answers to this because he's done interviews with <laughs> plenty of people, but I reckon he makes between one and 200 guitars a year. He has a workshop with <laughs> a few guys working for him, so... Yeah, that was a fairly safe bet, I would say. Uh, it could be so. more than that. It's definitely not less than that, I would say. Yep. Because I think a, like yeah. a single-man workshop like Tone Fuchs or whatever will do 30 to 50 guitars a year. Mm. as a one-man operation, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, it was basically my estimations on what Ruokangas, for example, does. I, because nowadays they're doing a thing where when you order a guitar, you get assigned one of the builders for the whole project, and that one builder will do most of the guitar, at least. They do sometimes like mix it up if there's someone who's incredibly skilled at, like, for example, doing the fret... They do these kind of rounded thread ends, which requires a lot of skill and a lot of work. Then some someone else might do it, but otherwise you you basically get a builder who you communicate with during the, that process. Which means they don't like one builder builds I don't know from ten to probably thirty guitars per year, but they really take the time to make them awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's why the waiting list is like three years. <laughs> Uh, and I'm definitely saying, like, having played several Ruokangas guitars, they're worth it. And I'm going to guess Nick Huber guitars, it's the same with them. So, yeah. From Nick Huber guitars to Volo guitars. Volo announces Fant pick up OZ RVTNC models. <laughs> yep. It's not quite the Ibanez Wi-Fi password's name, but that that's fairly close. Just add a couple of numbers in between and you're good to go. And Fant pickups is something interesting. Basically, they're HSS Strat-like, but the two pickups, the two single coil pickups are kind of angled the other way around than, I guess, our thing usually. Which is interesting. Well, yeah, normally they would be at 90 degrees against the strings. So perpendicular to the strings. Is that the word perpendicular? Yes. Yeah. I but think so. With these ones, we've got the the base side. So the the lower strings, that side of the pickup is more towards the bridge by an angle of about, what, 10 degrees, maybe? Mm. And it's a really interesting visual look. It's technically not fanning, I don't think, because if something fans, mm. it kind of moves outwards and gets wider. But yeah, it is. They've they've slightly angled those. And in Vola's words, this is to get more response from the treble strings and more control mm. over the low-end strings. Yep, I could see that being the case. Yep, me too. Uh, more, more balanced sound. Some people compensate that with adjusting pickup poles a little bit. That That's one word yep. to do, I guess. As well, but yeah, nice flame tops on all of these. They have these kind of clear pickup, uh, not pickup, uh, scratch plates, which is also nice. And I think 
a bit different from the previous models. Yeah, and it certainly helps show off those tops a bit more as well. Oh, yes. These are very in-your-face finishes. Very rich, very vibrant. Are there any words on pricing? Uh, There's a... No button says check here. And the price is... We don't see a price. Made in Japan, by the way, the body is made out of mahogany. It's a bolt-on neck, but has a fairly ergonomic-looking neck joint, which is nice. 12-inch radius, Vola Modern C, roasted maple neck. And what else? I think they're still using their own pickups. They have Vola Flame Bucket in the bridge, and then two of their own single coils. Solid flame maple top. And the price is, if I'm going to click where to buy button, let's check Europe and go to the EU shop and see if we can find one. And there you go. Maybe. So these are 1,800 euros. That's actually not that crazy for a Japan-made guitar. Actually, that's almost affordable. For made in Japan? Yeah. That's pretty decent. That's very decent. So we approve. If you want to get yourself a, a killer, killer, amazingly built, made in Japan, kind of super strat, that's a very, very solid option. And actually probably a bit cheaper than like your equivalent Ibanez AZ, for example. Which is also a bit yep. less flashy, I guess, than this one. Yeah, that's the so. thing. Yep, definitely another great alternative. Indeed. And from Volas to a guy who I don't think I've ever seen playing Vola, Metallica James Hetfield has his own earnable strings now there you go something i didn't know i needed i'm still not sure what if i need them but i guess what makes them a signature string set is that they are slightly the gauge is from 11 to 50 and please remind me what does the p stand for in the string gauge. Is it a wound one as well? I actually don't know off the top of my head. P. You you could guess it would be because it's the G string. Yes. Is it Click th- on the link. Really th- let's uh let's see, I'm sure they'll say that. Is it really thirty four or ninety nine? Yes. That's because it's a signature one and because they come in a tin as well. Ah, there you go. There you go. And, and this it, is a gauge that has never been offered strings. before. Ah. Okay, so they are master core, so heavy, ha, these strings have a heavy core to wrap, core to wrap ratio. So for all those heavy riffs, yep. It still doesn't explain what the P is next to the eighteen. Does it? Yeah. But they provide a thicker sound and added pitch st- pitch stability. What is that? <laughs> I actually don't I know. Heard, 
Yeah, I've never heard pitch stability being as a selling point before, but maybe it is now. Yeah. So there you go. I, I wonder what ingredient in the string it is that adds that pitch stability because they've added it it's with something. Yeah. Secret These are actually spice. almost worth getting to test out in that regard, I think. Yeah, that's true. Actually, $35 for a three-pack is not bad. It's a very decent deal, plus if it comes in a cool little box. Like yeah, when I box, saw the right? price and I thought, is that really one pack of strings with the metal <laughs> yeah, tin? I thought directions. that's too much. But yeah, 35 euros or dollars for the three sets with the tin, that's that's a lot more palatable, isn't it? Yeah, plus you can use the tin for something else. You can store all of your picks there, for example. You can, or your strings. Well, that's, that's true as well. Yep. Or your lunch. But yeah. I mean, you you can put so, many things like in Sounds like a tins. fairly small lunch, but... Yep. Yeah, maybe a snack box. Indeed. I mean, it looks nice. I don't remember seeing that many signature strings, but here they've clearly... First of all, it's clearly designed for the artist itself, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And it's a never-before-offered gauge combo. Or gauge? How, G -A, how do you pronounce gauge? Gauge. 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 Yeah, it's like there, th there will be probably quite a few people out there who want to play the same string gauge mm. as Hetfield because he's yeah. such a, you know, an icon that what he does. And if this is the first time that you can now just buy those gauge strings in one pack instead of having to buy different packs and sort of put them together, then it's a no-brainer. It's a cool mm. thing. I like it. Yeah. I didn't think I could get slightly excited about signature strings, but there you go. I think this, yeah. this is actually very well designed. So, cool. From signature strings to a compressor. Sweeten your tone like a pro will with Carl Martin's Honeycomb Danish high-end compressor pedal. Danish high-end. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Karl Martin are Danish company, I think, right? Well, it's, it's in the sub it Danish. It would be pretty it stupid. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be pretty stupid if they were from, uh, I don't know, Fra Australia France. and yeah. referred to themselves as making a Danish compressor, but yeah. You never know. Well, unless, says. You know, unless Denmark is or was known as the home of compression. I'll give you another example. Dan <laughs> Danish bacon is a, an industry standard. And in the UK, people mm -hmm. like to refer to Danish bacon as being the best. And I'm sure there are com companies from other countries other than Denmark that produce Danish bacon. Yeah, it's very likely. That's Indeed. the case. But yeah, Karl Martin is a Danish company. <laughs> Good. Yeah, they have a compressor pedal and... Is it an updated version? Yeah, it's the next generation take on the popular compressor model that adds dry knob for enhanced control over your dynamics. And I actually personally love a wet-dry mix on the compressor pedal. To yep. me, somehow that's easier to makes it easier to dial in than you know playing with the ratio and threshold and controls like that. Yeah, so, I would agree. I did. It's something that we're starting to see on more and more compressor pedals, mm. that kind of dry, wet blend knob. 
So yeah, I'm um, sure that this does that compressor thing, and I'm sure it does it very well. All the other Karl Martin yeah. pedals I've ever played have been really well built, sound good. Yep. I'd be up for trying yes. this. $199 or 179 euros. Is it made in Denmark? Maybe. Doesn't say here, I think. And also a little cool thing here is that it actually runs at 12 volts internally, which gives you a bit of extra headroom. Uh, I've had the Wampler Mini Ego Compressor and I always ran it at 18 volts because I loved the extra headroom it had. That, that pedal still kind of haunts me. I probably should get one again just because it was so good. I know we're talking about Carl Martin here, but I'm talking about Wampler all of a sudden. <laughs> it, it, it was just so simple and fun to use and I yeah, yeah. to do it yeah. in all the compressed sounds I needed. But I'm sure this would probably do the job as well. So, well done, Carl Martin. Mm-hmm. Looks great. Also, Vox celebrates Platinum Jubilee with the Union Jack Royal Blue Pathfinder 10. And they released two new limited edition Pathfinder 10 amps. One of those launch box amps. Uh, they are releasing it to celebrate Queen's Platinum Jubilee year. Okay, why not? I think this is where you should lead. I mean, it's it's your people celebrating the Queen. What do I know? Well, yeah, okay. Well. It is what it is. It's a, it's a Vox Pathfinder 10 with a Union Jack flag on it and in blue. Yay. So, yeah, it's cool. There'll be people who want to get this. Yeah, probably. So the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. How many years is that? Is it seventy-five? I was going to say. I think it's seventy. Could it be seventy-five? No, definitely not. Yeah, I reckon it's seventy. And mm. I'm disappointed and ashamed of myself for not knowing this. Apologies to the <laughs> Queen if she's watching or listening. If, if she's watching, leave us a comment, drop us a like, subscribe, buy merch. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's As 70 years. So I'm I'm happy I was oh, yeah. right about that. Congratulations. That's a long time to be queen. That's... I mean, you deserve a signature amp for that. Well, it's not a signature also, amp, is it? But you know what I mean. It's just a celebratory purple amp. It's not purple, it's royal blue. Oh, excuse me. When That's Danish fair. Pete has his Platinum Anderton's anniversary, they can do a, a purple version, I think. But this is royal blue. <laughs> yeah. I but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's kind of cool. There's not much information on it from the site that we're looking at, but it will sound like a Vox, I'm sure. Mm, I don't have super high expectations sound quality-wise, but it's <laughs> 10 watts. 6.5-inch Vox Bulldog speaker in it. Yeah, why not? And it has a volume gain, yeah. bass, and treble controls, and a handy clean slash overdrive switch. Yeah, it's not quite a hand-wired AC30, but for <laughs> for under 100 euros or whatever it's going to cost, it's, it's going to be a decent euros. little thing for, for some people. Yeah, 79 euros is really not too bad, is it? 
Yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. Just having that on the shelf somewhere, especially the Union Jack one. Kind of a same thing as with those tiny Marshall amps and Bluetooth speakers. People buy them because they look cool. And I think a lot of people will buy this because it looks cool, even cooler Agreed. than the traditional Vox. Did you freeze now? <laughs> no. I'm just freezing looking at it and sort of Ooh, silently paying my respects to the Queen and the, <laughs> the royal family. Well, there you go. <laughs> but I am still here. Yeah. Yes, though your thoughts are with the Queen. Yes, so. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We have to take a break because Rich is having his patriotic moment. <laughs> we'll be back after now. this message. We yeah, <laughs> we'll be back after this message. Actually, from patriotic amps to Joe Dart, <laughs> a seamless transition. He has mm -hmm. a new funky Enable Music Man bass, and this time it has two pickups. So, Are you cool. familiar with his first signature bass? Somewhat. I think that had a single humbug in the bridge and just had a volume put on it. Mm -hmm. so I have to two. admit that when I saw this story, I wasn't familiar with Joe Dart, but I read the first line, Funk Machine Joe Dart has a new signature guitar, and I thought he's probably in Wolfpack, and I googled him, <laughs> and he is. There you go. Yeah. And it's, this is a cool and kind of, to me anyway, because I haven't seen the original pretty unique looking bass mm. he doesn't go fancy with, with the finish or anything like that it's just natural velvet finish and yeah actually we can see here that in the YouTube version of the show you can see that the previous one was just a single bridge hamaka with a volume control now it has two single coil pickups and I'm assuming both of those are also volume controls because he doesn't seem to be a fan of tone Controls. He's a fan of tone, oh. but not tone controls. Good, good job you maybe. said the word controls then. Yes, he's not a... Yeah, otherwise... I was preparing to be shocked. I, but yeah. Do the shock face for the thumbnail. Uh, but yeah. Nice. I love this super, super simplistic signature basses. He's one of those people who, like, if you want to argue that tone is in the fingers, I think Joe Dart is a perfect example. I'm not sure if he goes fully DI, but he, I think he just plugs into an amp, bass amp, and that's it. So, nice. The man's a it's funk not, machine. Exactly. It's not super affordable. It's $2,700. But then again, it's a music man. And Ernieball Music Man, more specifically, meaning that it's made in US. And I bet it sounds and feels fantastic. I bet it does. I mean, you're a bit more experienced than me in terms of bass guitars. Would you say that this double single coil version of the signature model would be selling more than the single humbucker version? Or would it be kind of 50-50? Or what's your thoughts on that? I mean, for this money, this amount of money, I think people just have to be fans of Joe Dart and then they can choose. Uh, I don't think it makes it... Well, 
maybe people could actually see it as a more versatile option because it has two single coils and you can blend between them, gives you more sounds. Uh, the first one only had a humbuck and a volume control, so that that's where tone is literally in just your fingers and maybe the volume control a little bit. Here you can actually kind of blend some of the sounds if they're roughly similarly priced. This could be the better selling model, maybe. I'm not 100% sure. But I love super simplistic signature instruments. There's just something really cool about it. Yeah, yeah. And it just makes yeah. you play. No bells and whistles yes. to hide behind. Exactly. It's purely in the fingers. I'd be interested to try one of these. It's very yeah. different to any other bass I've any I've ever really looked at. I mean, for this price, it's it's out of my price range. But is there a sterling version of the original bass of his? Do you know? Or I'm not sure. Would have to check uh, check the sites and stuff like that. Mm. Because. I think so far it's been just Music Man, but I am not 100% sure. Somehow, Sterling versions of all the instruments kind of fly under the radar a little bit. At least that's my impression. Even though they are really good instruments, you don't see, I don't, at least I don't see a lot of YouTubers using them. I don't see YouTubers demoing them. I see people demoing Music Man guitars, though. But I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if it comes from Sterling themselves. That they're kind of keeping it low-key or something like that. Even though I think a lot of the Sterling instruments that I've tried have been fantastic. So, hard to tell. Hard to tell what's going on there or and whether Joe has a Sterling version of this instrument. But from $2,700 basis to something that's definitely not going to cost you $2,700. Hundred dollars, and that is Harley Bender Rocker Uke Red Satin and Uke Bass OP and T. Oh, look, another Harley Bender release. There's a kind of Fenderish style, Telecaster style ukulele. Yep, it's a, a it's a Telesonic in ukulele form. <laughs> it looks kind of cool. Tele Sonic, something like that. Yeah, Sorry, telecoustic, you, 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 not telesonic. Yes. But yeah, from, yeah, I mean, it looks like a really fun way to get a child or an adult into playing ukulele, right? Yep. It looks like the real thing. I almost want to buy one. Yeah. It has a pickup system for, in it as well and has a two-band mm, EQ in it. Cool. Yeah. And for 89 euros, I mean, you would hope it would play well. Mm. It looks cool. I this hope. is the kind of thing I think they should release in October so it can be kind of high on people's Christmas present list. But yeah, super cool. Mm. But I think it's not quite as cool as the Uke yeah. Bass. Which is kind of like the Joe Dart for people who want a super cheap ukulele version. <laughs> Of the Joe That's actually very, very true. <laughs> it's yeah, not it, that dissimilar. Yeah. Well, actually, it, it actually is. Look, but you get my point. Look, it's kind of cool. It, it stands off the price of the Joe Dart version. 
is a tenth of the quality of the sound? Not sure. We can debate about that. But that looks cool. It has an active piezo system, and there's a volume, triple and bass controls, and what else? Comes in a natural satin finish, which complements the woods chosen, especially with all that black hardware. Nice. It sure does. Do you know, Vlad, what tuning a ukulele bass like this comes in? I don't, though I've owned a ukulele or like a mini-sized semi-acoustic bass with electronics and I think that just came in a standard bass tuning. So Really? So EA that would be EADG? Yes. Did I say GD? DG. Yes. Hmm. I'm almost that, tempted that's kind if of that's the, the idea. Case. Of, yeah, a lot of these, with all of these, that's kind of the idea, actually. So you kind of live in the same territory as an actual bass. Obviously, the sound is very different, but still, it's kind of the idea. So do they have like I mean, super fat strings? Because the strings look pretty chunky on this bad boy. They want super chunky. The thing is, they're using nylon strings. Are they sort of plasticky strings as opposed to metal? Yes. Yes. Ah, okay. At least the Ortega one I had... Kind of weird. Yeah, the Ortega one I had was more... The strings were kind of between plastic and rubber. Something a bit... I'm not sure even how to describe that sound. The feel. They're definitely not uh, similar to your normal bass strings. But I got to play one of these. I don't think I'm going to buy one. It's, it, it's but a lot I, of fun. I definitely need to try one out. Can you click on the product link? Yes. I sure Let's can. Have a look. 180 euros. Yes. It really looks the business, that base. Yeah, it does. Check out some photos. Looks good. It's a through neck as well. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> through neck and also strings through body. Yeah. That, is, that looks really good. Do you Has think people that... would take you seriously if you showed up for a bass audition for like a rock band and you had one of those? <laughs> uh, depends. I think mostly it depends on how you play. That is a good if, point. If, if you're great playing this, I don't think anyone will care. I mean, it does sound a bit different and you need to play differently compared to a regular bass. But otherwise... But yeah, I mean, let's just say that if Joe Dart was playing one of these, he'd make it sound pretty darn good. Yeah, I think you can make him a bass out of cardboard and he'd make it sound amazing. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. I, I actually really like that. I don't that. feel it's a fair comparison in that sense. Possibly but not. I'm, I mean, this looks great. I want to try it out as well. If you end up getting one, let us know. But from really cool looking bases to actually answering a lot of your questions and comments, and we have just a segment for that, which is obviously obviously called questions and comments 
questions in the comments indeed. We're going to start with question number one. Kaboom. And I always forget to put these questions from my... I cannot read on the smaller screen I'm looking at. Yep. As I mentioned, we are going to kind of focus on the Ollie Benton kit build thing because I... Well, not that I, not only because I can, but because I want to, and also because you guys really, really seem to like this project and got a lot of cool comments. First of all, or the first comment was uh, on the first build video, the second one came out this week, and Waggle86 <laughs> comments. A little heads up for people who are interested in this kit and want to stay in it. Like all kits, these come with the sealer already applied. You need to sand it off because of the calf top. The sealer can penetrate a little deeper where the calf starts. This prevents your stain from penetrating, leaving you with a light edge. Pay extra attention when sanding. And this is actually something that happened to me in the second episode of the guitar build. I was forced to apply paint directly on the body like it had some green filler and a little bit of well a sealer basically which well a lacquer layer there and on some of the parts the paint just didn't want to stick properly and maybe it should have sanded more to make it better but the, the theme of this project so far has been the fact that it's just uh, have to move fairly quickly and make quick decisions and try to solve the problems as they come. <laughs> because it's a fairly tight schedule because regularly you could you would easily leave your guitar to dry for two or three weeks as applying like paint layers or something like that. This time I can't do that, plus right now I will have to paint outside, which is also not cool. And as of shooting this episode, it's five, oh sorry, four degrees Celsius outside. So barely over zero. And actually yesterday what I had to do was, um, I was applying some coat layers, or like, well, lacquer layers. Uh, so I had the guitar body in a room temperature. I heated up the spray can in, or like warmed it up in a bucket of warm water. Then I took both of those things, both the lac spray can and the lacquer outside. Is it your doorbell, by the way? No? No. Is it? Rich is expecting something in the mail. <laughs> Don't think it so. was. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, but basically, <laughs> basically I had to warm up everything at home, quickly run outside, spray the lacquer and then quickly grab the guitar body and kind of bring it into a space here where it could dry. Because, as I mentioned, it's past four Celsius outside. Not the most ideal conditions for painting, but gonna move on with the project. And I checked out the guitar body this morning. It looks okay. Like, I was fairly successful doing that stuff, but yeah. Don't skip the sanding if you're painting in it anything basically it's just going to exactly you in the yeah. butt in in the this end. is a really good comment i i have a novice question to ask you Vlad. please do ha harley benton are selling these kits with the idea that you paint them 
Yes. Or put your own designs on them. Why, therefore, do they come with a sealer? What's the reasoning behind that? Why not just not include a sealer if you know that you're selling it for people to paint the guitar? And if you put a sealer on it, they're going to have to send it off anyway. Well, I think the main idea is that it makes the painting process easier because depending on the body wood, for example, there's a lot of pores in it. And if you would start applying paint on top of that, it will result in a very uneven surface at first, especially because some of the paint would go into those all the pores and where the, where the surface is more flat, the paint would be kind of more apparent and you would have to apply a lot, a lot of color layers and it would look uneven. Whereas what they've done is they kind of help you with the first few steps where they, I think they apply a grain filler first, which fills out most of the little holes or pores on the guitar body. And then they apply sealer so that that grain filler doesn't come out. And then you can start painting on top of that. Though, obviously we're talking about a very budget-friendly kit, which means that the level of quality may vary quite a bit yeah and in my case there's there was definitely more grain filler on some of the spots and less on some of the spots and that kind of resulted in and basically resulted in the fact that the paint didn't stick that well to some of the places but i could have also sanded it a bit more i mean it, it helps quite a lot and as we've seen some people just have been able to for example put like stickers on the guitars and do the finish that way, for example, doing that. So, yeah. It's one of those steps that is very boring and very annoying to do, all of the sanding and stuff like that, and applying the first layers. But it's worth it, as I've learned. But I think with my design, I was kind of able to save it. Barely, though. <laughs> we'll see. I'm just going to spoil a little bit that the third episode will contain a lot of mistakes. Some of them include like what's it called not like sharpie thing you use to cover stuff there's a black and white version of those available well basically yeah. i used the sharpie and then applied some lacquer on it and a black sharpie started to kind of leak on top of the rest of the design which was not fun <laughs> so i had to salvage that for example but all that in the next episode which will be not sure if it will be up next week yet because it'll have. I think that will be the final one, but within a couple of weeks or so, I think. But I and actually think that it's super cool that you're showing that it's not just been 100% plain sailing because the vast majority of people out there, you know, if I was building one as well, I would make mistakes. I would make many mistakes. Yes. Um, and that's the only way you'll learn. So it's great yeah, that you're absolutely. showing that stuff off. Yeah, absolutely. And also being on schedule helps you to focus on things that are important. For example, I was really annoyed about, for, for example, how the binding looked after I had painted it because I didn't scrape it off super evenly and I tried to fix it with that black Sharpie, for example, with not so good results. And then I reverted to plan B again. Something, all of this will be in this next episode of the build. And yeah. I think kind of my one of my ideas here was to make as many mistakes as possible. 
and also show you that you can recover from most of them. If you break the neck, then obviously <laughs> you're done. But with a lot of these, you can save them. And actually kind of very well related to that, something we just talked about, Rami Murimäki. So a fellow, hello, hello, Finn, fellow Finn, hello. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Uh, asks, Honest opinion on the kit quality. How does the woods feel? How is the neck? Electronic quality and quality overall. He's been looking for a DIY kit for a while now, and these Toman ones look really appealing to him. And they're also very affordable. I think overall the quality is good. This is my second Thoman or Harley Benton kit I've assembled. I also have a Telecaster. I've built a Telecaster one, which was, first of all, way easier to assemble than this one. Telecaster just such a simple design, just pretty much screw everything together and you can put in the strings and you're good to go. And that actually sounds very decent. Uh, where both of these kits definitely have some issues are frets. I'll have to polish the ones I had. They they felt really scratchy when I was playing during the playtest on this guitar. The fret ends need to be rounded up as well. Actually, probably need to borrow like fret files from a friend to do that. And but overall, like what I was most surprised of was the fact that when I put the guitar together, I put on the strings and everything. It felt great to play. Like I personally love when the guitar resonates against your body. So like you can feel the vibrations of the guitar. And these do that really well. Both both Atelier and this one seem to do that really well. Um, yeah, just a really nice template to put your design on. And I could see myself modifying that guitar further and further upgrading the electronics, which I think are fine, but the pickups feel a bit dull, which is, I guess, expect there's some no brand cheap pickups seem to do the job, but they are fine for the money. I mean, this kit is, what, 79 euros, 89 euros? And you're getting a, an actual guitar. But also this one, which is the thing that's cool, is that the headstock shape is actually really nice. Because on the telly, it's like a block, and then the idea there is that you can shape your own headstock out of it. With this kind of PRS-style one, it's actually, well, I have it right here. I can actually show it to you. This will be a teaser for the next episode. Let's take out the question and remove that one as well. How does this work? How do I solo myself? There you go. I am not the headstock. Yes. So, there you go. As you can see, this headstock has my logo on it as well now. And it's not done yet, but I think this has to look good. I don't feel the need to shape it in any way. It's kind of PRS-like, but obviously kind of copyright-protected, so to speak. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's sort of PRS-y, but a bit, maybe a bit metal as well. Yeah, true. A bit pointier, but it's, really that, that's really nice. And I do yeah, like I that think... a lot more than just the rectangular block. Although, of course, like you say, with the rectangular block, you are intended to shape that the way you wish. Yeah. If you wish to contravene copyright rules or whatever. When it comes to these kits then, Vlad, for about 79 or 89 euros, that's what you're getting. 
In response to Rami's question, are you familiar with any other kits which are roughly the same price or maybe even a little bit more which might be competitive? Or do you think that Harley Benton probably offers the best value for money? My guess would be that the Harley Benton offers the best quality for the money just because of the sheer volume they produce. Yeah, but, I mean, I would think it's a similar story to their guitars. They, they yeah. order so many, it's all direct. So you're really getting for the price the best bang for the buck out there. Yeah, I'm, I, I would love to try out, I know there's guitar kits that are, let's say, 200 to 300 euros range. I would love to try one of those out at some point as well and see what a difference in quality, like, is there a difference in quality? And if there is, is it worth the extra money? Because, I mean, as I mentioned, you get a playable instrument putting this together. And I think it's a great template to try some finishing options because even if you go completely wrong, you're not losing hundreds and hundreds of euros with that project. But it's also, if you want to make it a, quote, I'm going to put this in quotes, like a real guitar, it does require some work. Uh, some of you may want to take your guitar to a luthier to do the final setup, especially with the and polish the frets and round up the fret ends and stuff like that. And suddenly you end up might end up paying quite a lot of money. But I also think these are good templates to practice on. So yeah, one of these days I'm gonna order a kit from some other, some other manufacturer and put that together. If any of the ki guitar kit manufacturers are watching, hit me up. <laughs> Maybe this is the thing I do from now on, just make mistakes on my terrace, trying to paint guitars outside. <laughs> that could be a channel. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Question number three, and this one hits me personally a little bit. Uh, Quicksilver says, looking go good so far. <laughs> and did you ruin your mother-in-law's walls with spray paint yet? The mirror? There must be a <laughs> mist somewhere that you didn't cover up, lol. And yes, I confess, there was... not uh, With the white and black paint, I didn't have that many issues. I didn't actually get to apply any lacquer on the guitar the, until later. But I started with the white paint. Then I applied this stripes or whatever, so we would have some white white stripes on the guitar. Then I painted it uh, full neon pink. And after using that neon pink, I think I came back several hours later and realized there was some sort of flake in that paint, and all all of the floor surfaces in that room were pink. <laughs> So I did quite a lot of cleanup there. I did some cleanup, then my wife went to do some cleanup, and then my mother-in-law also did some cleanup there. And the next time we came back, actually just a week later, I did another cleanup there. And this time I covered all of the surfaces, like everything. Luckily that pink thing came off just by wiping it. Like I managed to vacuum clean a lot of it and then just wiping everything with a wet cloth but yes I did <laughs> leave the room fairly pink at first <laughs> but I was lucky that it didn't stick and like I was also lucky that I noticed or we noticed that at that point 
because if I had applied like some lacquer layers after that pink <laughs> mist was like that flake was everywhere, uh, we would kind of seal that pinkness on top of the all the surfaces it was. So, <laughs> yep, I I now fully understand why people professional guitar builders have like proper paint rooms that are really well ventilated. So. There you go. Question number four comes from Robert uh, Rumps. And he says, The most interesting, detailed, and accomplished project of the contest so far. Can't wait to see the rest of the realization of this kit. Am I a bit egoistic choosing this comment for questions in the comment section? Maybe I am. Hey, this is, this is your show. <laughs> Massage that ego. That's what I say. Oh, there's my doorbell. <laughs> You'll have to massage it alone. Uh, yes. <laughs> While Rich is away, we'll keep on massaging. First of all, thank you. And I guess I'm putting my guitar building years into use here. Something like that. For those who don't know, I've built, I want to say, two and a half guitars at a guitar building course. And all of my guitar building teachers have been fairly strict. So they really made me, for example, do like really, really good standing on those guitar bodies, even though sometimes it annoyed the heck out of me. I really wanted to move on to the next stage, and they were like, nope, you will have to stand this once more. Trust me, they said. I trusted them, and they were right. And now, doing this Halliburton project, I'm putting a lot of those things I learned there to use. And if it shows, and if I'm able to give people some good tips on how to make this happen and encourage some of you to pick up one of those kits or even maybe attend a guitar building course. I've done my job. Because personally, it's just a lot of fun. Two of my main guitars are self-made and that's really cool. It, it doesn't mean like I'm super talented or anything like that. I just had good teachers who taught me how to make them and who helped me along these journeys. It's been good because I also, I'm not afraid to modify the guitars a bit more because of that and know a lot about guitar maintenance and understand the kind of effect, the effects of what it can do for the instruments, for, to the instruments, for example, and things like that. So thank you. And whenever Rich gets back, we can talk about the question number five, or comment number five, which comes from Jonas Ninivara, another fellow in Morians, as we say here. And he says, oh, sorry, this video was commented on the video where I talk about the Tunos Kabem using it with an acoustic guitar, using acoustic IRs to make my budget-friendly IR. No, but budget-friendly acoustic guitar sound better with external IRs. And he asked, did I ever end up getting this to work in a live setting, the two notes cab M with my acoustic guitar? I'm hoping to start playing some acoustic gigs and looking to repurpose as much of my electric gear as possible. The torpedo cab M obviously being one of the key elements. And mine says, yes, I used it live with my acoustic guitar a few times before I got the pod go. And I honestly wish to port call because I could also apply some effects on it, which made it more practical. But I think Torpedo Cap M 
is fantastic with your with an acoustic guitar because it made my like I used to hate the piezo sound on my Taylor 110E. So a fairly budget friendly acoustic guitar. Amazing guitar to play. Sounds great acoustically. Terrible piezo sound. Just really bad. Like that, that nasal annoying piezo sound that I I personally just don't like. And with an acoustic IR and then applying some, a little bit of reverb and some strategic EQ from the Cab M. Beautiful. It just works. Makes a gigantic difference. And actually, I've been so happy with the sounds I was getting from that. And I'm actually using the same IRs in the pod corner as, as well. I think I bought like a couple of Sigma IR, acoustic IRs, which I actually matched to this guitar I have. So just works really well and makes my acoustics sound so, so much better. So highly recommend. That's that's a great option to get. And the cabm is fantastic because you can also use it at the end of your like electric guitar pedal board and use it as an amp and a cap sim at the same time. Cool pedal. Did you, Rich, get what you were supposed to get from the mailman? Yes. I did. But it's one of those annoying situations, right? And I'm sure we've all had it. And I'm going a little bit off topic here, but Let's do. does it not annoy you when a delivery person comes with their van and they ring the bell? And this is a parcel that is also supposed to be signed for, right? And the mm. bell rings. I go to answer the door. No one there. What? I trek down the stairs, go outside. The parcel is on the front doorstep. I don't like what? that. Yeah, I think in that's, Finland, that's you're terrible not allowed play. To, yeah, in Finland, you're not allowed to leave it outside the door. It's like, no, I just know. I understand that a lot of the courier drivers, they have a lot to do. Sure. But I've had this happen with guitars in the past as well. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want something like a guitar. This wasn't a guitar. This was not something for me. But I don't want something like a guitar standing outside my front door. What if I was at work and this came at 11 o'clock local time that's a good five or six hours before I could have potentially been back from the office if I worked in an office. <laughs> it's, that's a long time for so a parcel to stand on someone's front doorstep where the whole world could just come and take it or it could rain or whatever, you know? <laughs> Rich is that's going on a hypothetical rant basically here. Yeah, no, I totally get it. In Finland, I think you're allowed to leave it outside your door. Like they need to hand deliver it to you. And pretty much usually signed as well. And otherwise they will actually drop it to uh, the nearest pickup point if you're not home. They're not allowed to leave anything outside your door because of these very reasons. Somebody could just snatch it and how are you going to prove that you weren't the one who got it? Exactly. But there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yep. But from CabM to one more comment on the Harley-Benz build, James Whitman says, Pro tip to test the electronics before installing the strings. Hover your phone just above the pickup you're testing and you can hear what your phone is playing through the amp. Got the idea from the Samurai guitarist and use it to test the electronics on my Strat style kit. Works like a dream. Cool tip. Yeah. Nice. I wonder what's the difference between you doing this and then just, you know, taking a screwdriver and tapping on one of the poles on the pickup. Yeah, you could also do that. But this is a, a more musical way of testing that it. That is very like. true. 
Also, yes. your screwdriver doesn't get magnetically like sucked into the pickup. You do like if you have <laughs> some uh, pickup covers that are made out of softer material, you won't be scratching them and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I usually just use the screwdriver. I think this might be a ni- nicer way to, to do that. So, I actually want to try this out. When I'll put the Harley Band kit together, I will try it out like that. So, thank you, James. That's actually kind of fun. Can I give you a shout out when I'll do that? If I remember, I hope I do. So, yeah, there you go. Cool questions. Thank you so much. If you want us to answer some of your questions, whether it's about something we discussed in this episode or in general, you can email us at podcast at catpicstudios.com. Obviously, comment on YouTube or on any of the social media platforms we're at. And you can hit up either me or Rich Words Music on various platforms as well. Drop us a comment, a question, anything like that, and we'll talk about it in the next one. But before we wrap up this week's Capic Fridays, I think it is time to talk about something we think you should watch this weekend, and we have just this segment for that. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. As always, because you don't have anything else to do, we think... You should watch. Where is it? Western button. There you go. You should watch Steven Seagal's show at the Helsinki Olympic Stadium. For those who don't know, Steven Seagal's, um, I want to say, world famous band nowadays. They do this. Could I say hillbilly style covers of famous metal songs, especially just um, that take a lot of rock classics and put their own interesting twist to them. And for those watching on YouTube, they also, they're very, very Finnish. They, I think they present our culture in the best possible ways, in so many ways. The way they dress, the way they play, the, just everything. I love it. I absolutely love it. And this is just a lot of fun. They're doing like this short gig at the Helsinki Olympic Stadium. In a freezing cold, what seems, that guy is wearing a sleeveless shirt. I don't know how they can make the upright bass or a banjo stay in tune in this weather, but they're <laughs> pros. They've been doing this for years. It sounds really good. sounds in tune as well. doesn't seem like they're doing it using a playback track either. So, yeah, really fun. And I think I'll get to see these guys live later this summer, which makes me really, really exciting. There's a festival in the city I live in later this year, and I got a ticket for one day. I might expand it for the second one as well, and Steven Seagulls will be playing there, so yeah. Yep, looks really cool. You got me into this band, Vlad, and I I like them a lot, so I'll be watching this this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would recommend watching their live clips because I think they are... Like album, they have a bunch of albums on Spotify and stuff like that, but I think you kind of need to pair it with the visual aspect. You need to see these guys do their thing because it adds to the overall experience quite a lot, actually. The covers are great; they're really well arranged. They do amazing harmonies and really fun things in their arrangements as well. But you gotta see these people because I think the visual aspect is half of what these guys do as well. (laughs) 
And yeah, they, they're definitely leaning into like Finnish countryside visuals as well, quite a lot. So that's really fun. They always have a tractor on the stage and things like that. So yeah, there you go. This is something I think you should watch this weekend. And that wraps up Catholic Friday's episode number 61. That's a lot of episodes we've done. But that's a topic for a different day. Indeed. Episode 100. Counting back yeah. the best 100 episodes. <laughs> we'll be recapping the best 100 episodes of Catholic Friday's. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. As always, everything we mentioned in the show notes and links and things like that exist there as well. And we want to thank you for joining us for this episode and we will be back next week, hopefully. Also planning, possibly planning some guest stuff and things of that nature. But we shall talk about all of that in the future. Have a great weekend and as we do here, bye podcast. Bye podcast. Bye podcast.